Merry Christmas, Woodlands Church. Yeah, Merry Christmas. I love that you guys are here. Let's be seated. And I know God's got a real word for you today. On this Christmas Eve, I believe with all my heart that Christ who came at Christmas 2,000 years ago wants to speak to your heart today. I don't know if you're at our Atascacita campus or here at the Woodlands campus or worshiping with us online. It doesn't matter. God's got a word for you today to give you encouragement, to let you know that you matter to him, that he knows where you're at. He's got your number. He knows your name. I believe that with all my heart. Chris and I are so excited about our Christmas Eve service. Um, we got an interesting title this year. Because in 1823, Clement Clark Moore wrote a poem called A Visit from St. Nicholas, which would later be known by its first line. You know the line, don't you? "'Twas the night before Christmas." Now, this poem's been called the best-known words ever written by an American. But today, we are talking about the real night before Christmas and the day after. It's the greatest before and after story of all time. The night before Christmas, the world was overwhelmed in darkness. But by the next day, the light of the world had arrived and nothing would ever be the same again. Matthew 4:16 says this, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. When the light of the world broke through the darkness of the night that First Christmas, it changed everything. It was the difference between night and day. And Christmas can make all the difference in all your days and all your nights. First, Chris and I want you to see because of Christmas, I'll never be alone in the night. Because of Christmas, you never have to be alone, even in your darkest night. The night before the first Christmas, the wise men were looking to the night sky for answers to their nagging questions. So let's look at it in Matthew chapter two. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, magi, or wise men, were from the east, and it could have been Persia, but they were some of the wealthiest and most educated people of their day. Now, there are a lot of misconceptions about the wise men. First, the Bible never says there were three of them. They just gave three gifts, and so we just act like they're three wise men, but Magi usually traveled in caravans, so there could have been 20 or 30 of them, but you didn't know that, so we just have three out here at our Festival of Lights because we can get away with it because you didn't know that. And now next year, we've got to put 30 out there because now you know. But the Magi could have been 20 or 30, and they weren't at the stable on that Christmas night. They saw the star on Christmas night, but they followed the star for two years before they reached the home of Mary and Joseph. So Jesus was two years old when they arrived. We just put them all together. It just makes it easier with the shepherds and the wise men all together, but that's not how it happened. 
Now, when we began to put up the Festival of Lights back in October, um, there was a day where they just kind of threw out all the characters and had them out there on the, the lawn, and so I just happened to be walking by, and I caught this scene. Just look. Yeah. You can see the smirk in the camel's eye as he's just bucked off that wise man, and that's why it took them two years to get to Jesus. There were a lot of interesting things out there during that time. You know, the wise men were important in society. They were respected. They were very well educated. They were wealthy. But despite all that, they must have felt the deep emptiness on the inside. On the night before Christmas, they were desperately searching to find what would fill the emptiness in their souls. How do I know that? Because they were willing to travel two years through the desert following some mysterious star, not knowing where it would lead them. Now, think about this. Without the darkness of the night, they would have never been able to see the light of the star that led them to Jesus. And I really think if they weren't experiencing a dark night of emptiness in their lives, they would have never seen the star as a sign worth following. They would have never risked it all to follow that star through the desert for two years if they weren't in a dark night of emptiness in their own lives. And sometimes it takes the darkest night in our lives to get us to look up and see the light that leads to Jesus. In the light of day, you can't see the stars. And when life is all sunny, everything's humming along, we usually don't see how glaring our need for God is. And maybe that Christmas really, it really emphasizes the Christmas you're going through. Maybe this Christmas you're going through the most painful and difficult time of your life. And could it be that God has allowed you to be in the darkest night of your life so you can finally see the light that will lead you to Jesus? Maybe this Christmas God's just trying to get your attention, that he loves you so much that he's allowed things to get really dark so you'll finally look up and see the light that will lead you to fulfillment. Hey, you're just in the night before Christmas. But if you'll look up today, you'll look up and you'll see the light that shines in your darkest night, and it will lead you to the only one who can meet your deepest needs. So it took the wise men two years to get to Jesus. But the night before the first Christmas, the shepherds were there alone in the fields. And shepherds were considered the very lowest rung of society. They were poor, forgotten, invisible. They were the insignificant ones. Oh, just shepherds, the ones that stayed out with the animals. But on that very first Christmas, God broke through their dark night of loneliness to show them he hadn't forgotten them. In fact, he valued them so much that he sent an angel to give them a personal invitation to be the very first guests of Joseph and Mary and Jesus. The angel told them that a savior who is Messiah had been born in Bethlehem and that they were to go there, go to Bethlehem, find this baby. And the sign would be that he would be wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. So the shepherds took off running for Bethlehem. And when they got there and they found, sure enough, a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger, seeing was believing. And they told everyone what the angel had said about this child. And as Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years earlier, an angel told Joseph what to name the baby. In Matthew, it tells us the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
God himself, wrapped in human flesh, wrapped in a blanket, there lying in a manger, here on earth with us. Now, later, on the night before he went to the cross, Jesus promised that he would send his spirit who would come to live in us. He said, I will still be with you. And then after he rose again, Matthew records his last words to his disciples before he ascended to heaven. Jesus said, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus came to be with us at Christmas. He promised his spirit would always stay with us. And he promised that he'd continue to be with us in the future to the end of the age. Jesus' promise means that he will always be with us because it's a promise, not a contract, but a promise. You see, his presence is not related to your behavior or mine. I want you to really get that, so I'm going to say it again. God's presence, Emmanuel being with you, is unrelated to your behavior. You see, a promise when given only rests on the integrity of the person giving it. It's not a contract. No matter what we do, God keeps his promises to us. So when Jesus says that I will be with you always, he is. Most of us have a hard time understanding the permanency of God's promises because we're so used to being let down by human promises. We humans make and break promises all the time, big and small, day after day. But the power of God's promises is something else entirely because they're unbreakable. They're always true. And that means God is with us now, today. He's with us in chaos, in times of uncertainty. He's with us when we're suffering. He's with us when we're fearful, when we're shattered. God is with us. And in his presence, we sense his overwhelming kindness, his tender, loving care for us, Over and over and over again in Scripture, God tells us that He loves us. He is kind. But we tend to confuse that with our own human brand of kindness. I heard about an older man who was sitting in a long line at McDonald's. And the young lady behind him thought he was taking way too long to place his order. And so she laid on the horn, honked at him. And he thought to himself, I'm going to take the high road. And so when he got to the first window, he paid for both orders. The guy at the window must have told the woman what he'd done because in a few moments she leaned out the window and waved and mouthed, thank you, obviously embarrassed that he had repaid her rudeness with kindness. So when he got to the second window, he showed both receipts and took her food too. (laughs) Now... She now had to go back to the end of the line and start all over again. Now, that is a picture of human kindness. God's kindness is altogether pure. There's no barb in it. He loves you. He longs for you to know just how much. He wants you to know that no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've walked away from him, He still wants to shower you with his strong, loving kindness. It never quite fulfilled. We thought it was going to be the day that finally, the best best day of our lives and, and there'd be nothing missing. But there's always a sense of something missing. 
And I think most parents, if we're honest, try to fix that when we become parents ourselves. We try to fulfill all our kids' wishes, make their dreams come true, as if if we just worked a little harder, if we wrapped one more present, if we put one more dish on the table for Christmas dinner, did a little more decorating, somehow as a Christmas magician, we'd pull it off and our kids will experience all the magic. And if that's you today, I want to relieve you of that, set you free from that feeling because there is no gift that we can give our kids that will take the place of the gift they really need. There's, they don't need a perfect gift, they need a perfect savior. And it's okay to let our kids feel that something's missing because in this world there is always something missing. There's so much that can only be found in Jesus. He's the creator of our hearts. Our hearts aren't complete until we look to him and then we continue to look to him for restoration. When I was in high school biology, my teacher gave our class a major grade project assignment and that was that we were all to bring in the skeleton of an animal with all the bones labeled. Now, it really wasn't that hard. Everybody else in my class went to the grocery store, bought a whole fish at the fish market, boiled it, and then had a nice meal while they glued it to a piece of cardboard. It really didn't have to be very hard. But on the way home from school that day, I happened to see on the side of the road a rabbit who had forgotten to look both ways. And I thought, this is a gold mine right here. Wow. I mean, talk about extra credit. This is going to be great. How hard could it be? Well, I wasn't raised in Texas. I had no idea how to field dress a rabbit. And so I went home and I asked my mom for a big pot to boil some water in. And when I told her why I needed it, she said, absolutely not. <laughs> That's not happening in here. Um, you're free to go use the grill, but no. And I tried so hard to, make the, to pull this off, to make it work. Um, it didn't go well. I, it's basically the reason that I still leave all the grilling to carry because it just wasn't a great first grilling experience. And every time the smoke cleared, I hoped to see somehow just a skeleton. Um, it would be all ready for me to mount. And the night before my project was due, I sat dejected in front of a pile of tiny little individual bones, and I had a bunch of super glue. And it hit me that it would have been a great idea to have some kind of a diagram of what this was supposed to look like. This was pre-internet, guys. Life was different. And I just tried to start remembering, now what does, how do their legs go? How does this work? And the longer I stayed at it, the less it looked like a rabbit or any kind of animal for that matter. And when I came downstairs for breakfast the next morning, my family was laughing so hard that some of them were crying. And unfortunately, my teacher had the exact same reaction. It cost me my biology grade that semester, but I learned a really important lesson from it. You can't possibly restore something, whether it's a car or a piece of furniture or a skeleton, unless you know exactly what the original version was like. And so here's the thing, all of us have been broken in some way, maybe in a lot of ways, shattered by the loss of a loved one or the loss of a marriage or loss of a job, loss of a dream, maybe by sickness or loneliness or a thousand other ways 
that we can be hurt in this world. Feeling broken, we try everything we can to fix it ourselves. We try to super glue our own hearts together. And maybe it's even just find a way to be distracted from the pain for a while, even if that only lasts for a few moments. But the temporary fix always fades, and with it comes more shame and more guilt. And if that pattern sounds familiar to you, you're not alone. You may feel like you're alone, you're not. We've all tried to mend our hearts and failed. I know I have, with no success at all. But that's where the good news of Christmas comes in, because only the maker of our hearts knows how to restore us, how to put us back together again. Restoration only comes through Jesus Christ. In Acts, it says this, Peter fairly exploded with good news. It's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God placed no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. The message he sent to the children of Israel that went through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. Well, he's doing it everywhere among everyone. You see, that's what Jesus does. He's the one that puts things together again. And maybe you feel like this year has just shattered your heart and maybe you feel like your life has just gone to pieces. If you'll bring those broken pieces to Jesus, he puts it all back together again. I mean, you might not be the same person, but he'll make you into the person that he's called you to be. And it's that brokenness that's beautiful. He takes your brokenness and he makes it into something so beautiful that changes your whole life. And so that blessedness comes from brokenness. So if you feel broken, I just want you to know you're right on the verge of blessedness. You're right on the verge of being blessed if you'll just take it to the one who can put all things back together again. You don't have to hide your struggles. And he'll also give you strength in your struggles. He wants to give you the power to overcome your biggest problems, the power to heal your deepest hurts, the power to conquer your greatest fears. For you see, the king of creation became a king in the manger. It's so amazing to me that as a baby in a manger, he was still king of kings. He was still the one who created the world. He was still the all-powerful God of the universe. You see, he became king in a major so he could become king on the cross to forgive us of all our sins. And the king on the cross became the king who conquered death. And one day, he is returning. He'll be the returning king. There will be the return of the king, but this time, he's not coming as a tiny baby in a little manger. He's returning as the king of kings and lord of lords, the almighty, all-powerful God, the ruler of everything. And that same king wants to come into the bleak winter of your life to turn your night before Christmas into a whole new day. He is the king of kings and he wants to be the king of our hearts. You can be seated. Chris and I also want you to know because of Christmas, we can have heaven in our future. Let's look again at the first passage that we read in Matthew 4.16, it says, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. 
it says, those living in the shadow of death, and really we're all living in the shadow of death. Death casts a huge shadow over all our lives. We don't like to talk about it. You know, we want to run from it. Um, uh, we want to just get away from that thought. But the shadow is always there. But this verse says, on those living in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And that light is Jesus Christ because he defeated death. And if you've received the gift of Christmas, one day you will step into the light of heaven, that perfect place, that place where it's only day because of Christ and all the darkness of pain and sorrow and injustice and death will be gone forever. All things wrong will be made right. All the wrong in our dark and broken world will be set right again by the restorer of all things. As a kid, I thought I had the rotten luck to have the absolute worst birthday in the whole world. December 26th, the day after Christmas. My special day came around just as everyone else wanted nothing more than to just take a deep breath and relax and do nothing. It wasn't until I had kids of my own that I realized my parents probably weren't crazy about my birth date either because I never let them forget it. So I was, remember, remember, wait, wait, we still have to, we still have to celebrate, right? We're going to have a party. I had these really high expectations after watching my sisters who had birthdays earlier in the year count down the days leading up to their big day and their party and their presence. But nobody counts down to the day after Christmas. And I usually got the dreaded combo gift, you know, the Christmas gift that doubles as your birthday gift. Well, that was the before version of my birthday celebrations. But now I actually think my birthday is a great picture of my real life because I had to experience Christmas. I had to experience Emmanuel. I had to have God come be with me before I could really come alive. Have you ever thought about that yourself? Maybe you've had a lot of birthdays or maybe not too many, but either way, we can really only come to life. Our true birth date is after we celebrate the Christ of Christmas. Have you ever stayed in a hotel that had an adjoining room when you go into a hotel room and there's an odd door in the wall, but if you open it, you only find another door. The, that one doesn't have any handle on it. And if there's a stranger on the other side, which there usually is, you both keep your doors closed. I hope you do. You just both keep your doors closed the whole time. But sometimes, and our family's pretty big, we'll go to a hotel and have two rooms and have adjoining doors in between them. And the first thing we do as a family when we get to the rooms are open the doors. We both open our sides so it feels more like one big room. Well, that's what it looks like to invite Jesus to be with us, to invite Jesus into our hearts, just like adjoining hotel room doors. In order to connect, both sides have to open the door. And our sins created a humanly impenetrable wall between us and God. But Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross created a door, a pathway, so that God could always be with us. We could always be in his presence. Before opening the door, we live our lives in darkness. We're stuck in the night before Christmas. 
But the moment we open our door, Emmanuel enters and his light floods our lives and our hearts forever. Because when we open our door, we find that God's door was already open. He was already right there knocking and waiting, just waiting for us to open our side of the door. Romans 5.2 puts it this way. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door to us. He's already done it. He's already opened his side of the door. And now he's just knocking and knocking and waiting, waiting for us to open the doors of our hearts. What kind of God is this? This God of ours who wants us. He doesn't wait for us to clean up our act. He wants us just as we are because he has the power to change us. He doesn't want us to wait and try to get perfect on our own. That will never happen. No, he wants to just come and be with us, to love us. He wants us to accept his power, his promises, and become more like his son. He wants our connection. He wants our sin-stained hearts. And so I think for all of us, I'd like for you to consider the day after Christmas as being a potential birth date for you too. It's actually pretty great because all you need to do is accept the Christ of Christmas into your heart. And right after that, you begin to truly live. When he enters your life, real life begins. I may not know you, but I do know this. You're hurting. We all hurt. We live in a broken world, and sometimes we just feel like giving up and hiding in the dark. I understand that. But I want you to know that there is a light that's brighter and warmer than you can imagine on the other side of the door. We were never intended to live in darkness. God always planned a life of light for us. And he wants you to have that this Christmas. There's no better time than Christmas to tell your heart to start beating again, to throw open the door to Jesus, Emmanuel, because even now, he's standing right there, knocking and waiting, closer than your next breath. You know, I know that there's someone out here, maybe you're at our Atascacita campus or here at the Willens campus or you're worshiping with us online, but I know there's a Christ follower out there somewhere. You've gone through the toughest year of your life, and the only thing good you can say about it is, I'm glad it's over. Hope 2024 is better. But I just want you to know, God tells you today, take the next step. It's time to let the healing begin. It's time to let your heart start beating again because God has something good for you. It's not over yet. God's not finished with you yet. He still has a purpose. He still has a plan. And there's no problem, no pain that can come into your life that can change God's purpose for your life. But I want to ask every one of us, are you still living in the night before Christmas? Or have you experienced the light of Christmas? Have you experienced your first Christmas? Our son Stephen, who just sang, and our daughter-in-law Caroline just had their first child, Julian Spencer Shook, and this will be Julian's first Christmas, and we're all celebrating, and now it's like 10 grandkids, and I mean, the greatest lights that we see on Christmas Eve are our kids 
the taillights driving out of our house and <laughs> where now we can relax, you know, but, but we love it. But he's celebrating his first Christmas. You can be 25 or 65 and never have experienced your first Christmas. I'm not talking about how many times you've experienced December 25th in your life. I'm asking, have you ever received the light of Christmas, Jesus, into your life? If not, you're still living the night before Christmas. And so on this holy day, moving into this holy night, I want every one of us to do something that's life-changing, that's so powerful. I want you to take out this little card just take it out right now. You see that there's a little box, a little square right here. And if you would say, Carrie, I don't know that I've ever opened my side of the door. You see, as Chris said, he already has the door wide open. And he wants you to come and receive him. He wants to come into your life. But you've got to open the door. There has to be a point in time in your life where you decide, I want Jesus into my life. He won't knock the door down. The Bible says, and Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my knock and opens the door, I will come in and make myself at home in their life. And so he's knocking on the door of your heart right now. He's knocking on the door of your heart. For, for some of you, that knock was a, a friend or a neighbor inviting you to this service, and you're here. For some of you, it's this message that God used his word to speak to your heart. It's, it's Jesus knocking on the door of your heart. And he's knocking on the door of your heart because he loves you but you've got to choose to open your side of the door. There has to be a point in time in your life where you choose to open up your heart to Jesus Christ and invite him into your life, admit that you're a sinner like everyone else and need his forgiveness, admit that you can't get to heaven without him because heaven's a perfect place for perfect people. And he knew we could never get to heaven because none of us are perfect. That's why he came down to this earth. And that's why... He was born as a tiny baby to experience all that we go through, pain, hurt, rejection, temptation, but he never once gave in. He was the perfect sacrifice for all our sins. And what he did on that cross forgave me of all my sins and can forgive you of all your sins if you've never experienced your first Christmas. And maybe you'd say, Carrie, I think I have received Christ, but I'm not sure. We'll just receive him today. You get that free ticket to heaven one day. He comes into your life. You surrender your life to him and let him lead you from now on. If you would say, Carrie, I want to get it settled. I want to accept Christ on this Christmas Eve. Just put A in that box. A, I want to accept Christ. And at the end of the service, you can take this back to the foyer and at the tables back there. And they want to give you, we want to give you a, a new Bible. It's a, a new believer's Bible. It's really awesome. And we want to give that as a gift to help you grow in your faith. And then if you'd say, Carrie, I know Christ is in my life, but I'm not close to him right now. I've wandered away from him. I've tried to be my own God again. I haven't been in church. I haven't been really connecting to him and with others that are Christ followers. And I really want to renew my faith this Christmas. Christmas is time to renew your faith, release your fears, and step forward into a new day. And so be here in January for our big kickoff of the new year. It's so exciting at Woodland Church. And but just put R, I want to renew my faith. Something happens when you write it down. It's your decision. And then if you would say, Carrie, I'll consider Christ, but I'm not even sure that God exists. I've got a lot of questions. And we always say that questions are welcome because when you ask your questions and you express your doubts, that's how you arrive at a strong faith. 
not a blind faith, but a strong faith. And so if you would say, I'll consider Christ, just put C. Take it out here to the tables, and we want to give you a free copy of Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Christ. It'll help you in your, with your questions and your honest intellectual search for the truth. You'll be like the Magi searching for the truth, and God will lead you. And by the way, Lee Strobel's one of our own here at Woodlands Church. He'll be preaching for me next week in our New Year services, so don't miss that. But I want us to bow our heads right now in this holiest day of the year as we move into Christmas Eve. And if you put A, I want to accept Christ. I want to open the door of my life to Christ. I'm tired of trying to play God. I'm tired of trying to control everything. I can't. I need him. Just pray this prayer silently to God. Dear Jesus Christ, I admit I'm a sinner like everyone else, and I need your salvation. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I open the door of my heart and ask you to come into my life. I accept your free gift of salvation and your free gift of heaven one day. I can never get there on my own. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you rose again and you're alive to make all the difference in my life. As best I know how, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to lead me from now on. I want to follow you. Now help me grow in my faith. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed to receive Christ, put that A there. Please go to the foyer at the end of the service and get that Bible. Get started. Be back here in January growing in your faith. Now we're at the time of our service where we give back to God some of what he's given us. And if you're a first-time guest, don't feel obligated to give. Unless you want to, then that's great because he is the birthday boy. But this is the last chance for many of our regular attenders to give before the end of the year, and there are many ways to give. You can go to wc.org slash give, and you can set up recurrent giving for the new year. Or you can give by your phone. Uh, just text the word, give WC, one word, to 77977, and you can give through your phone to our secure giving site, or you can give stocks before the end of the year. There's many ways to give, but just give. You can give in the offering right now as our ushers are coming by. And then after we take our offering, we're going to move into the most powerful time of the night, our carols by candlelight. And I got a few announcements, though. First, be here for our kickoff in January, January 6th and 7th, our regular service times, Saturday, 6 p.m., Sunday, 9.30 and 11.30. And then next weekend is our New Year's services with Pastor Lee Strobel, the same times, um, we are starting a new downtown campus. It opens Easter, which is like one of the last weekends in March this year. It's early. And if you know someone who lives in the area, or maybe you do, um, whether it's in the west side, the east side, the heights, or wherever, it's going to be amazing to kick off our new downtown campus. And God's called us to reach the city in a big way. And so if you want information about it, you can just write that down and We'll send you more information about it so you can invite friends as we get ready to kick off our big downtown campus. God is really working. Hey, by the way, in all of our ministries and missions, God's used you to change so many lives this year. And over 2,500 children and senior adults who wouldn't have had Christmas received Christmas through our Angel Tree ministry this year. You did an amazing job. So proud of you. Just watch. Hey, by the way, uh, Woodlands Worship, these guys are amazing. And, of course, you can go to any uh, 
place to get that music, Spotify, um, iTunes, wherever you get your, download your music, go to Women's Worship because they're writing these original songs that are making such a difference in churches all over the country, and it's coming right out of your singing. You guys are the choir, and it's pretty awesome. Now we want to light our candles and sing to the Lord because He is the one that we worship. It's His birthday. Would you leave your candles burning for a few more moments, and let's pray together. Jesus Christ, thank you for shattering our dark world with your light. Thank you that your light comes to live inside of us. We are so grateful to you. And we thank you for the gift of Christmas. And right now we want to lift up those who aren't able to worship with others as we are. We lift up those who are alone right now who don't have family, alone at home and feel forgotten by the world just like the shepherds were on that hillside. Remind them, Lord, of your comfort and care for them. We pray for those who are sick and hurting this Christmas, whether they're in the hospital or trying to make it through these days for the first time without a loved one. We ask that you would be so near to them and comfort them, Lord Jesus. Thank you. And we also pray for those Christians, those Christ followers around the world who are unable to gather as a group because they are suppressed and unable to worship publicly. Thank you that you are their light in the darkness, just as you are for us. We love you, and we look forward to being continually in your family with you being our light. In your name we pray, amen. amen. You can blot your candle. Guys, we're so grateful for you. We love you, Woodlands Church. And on behalf of our family, to you, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We love you guys. Yeah, pray for us. There's a lot more to go. <laughs> hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.